I'm sure you know this, but people are amazing creatures. I'm, I know you already know that. You know, we, we are so different. We're all in this room even. We're all so different. And yet we've, we have a way, we have this propensity of trying to profile people and put people in little boxes and say, well, that's that and this is this and try, to, try and work things out. And, and don't we have this, this saying or this, our culture has this saying, um, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a... Right, we, you got it. Okay, so we have this saying because we like, to, we like things to be, uh, you know, uh, predictable and, and we can understand everything and so on. And what, what that just proves to me as I was thinking about this during the week, it just proves one thing that God was absolutely right all along when he said, people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Because God is doing something on the inside that doesn't automatically show on the outside. And so we need to think about that, and uh, I'm going to share a bit about that later on. But I, um, I had an experience a few years ago. Um, many of you know I, I'm a motorbike rider. I like to ride motorbikes. And that's, so Dallas will appreciate this story. But I, uh, one, one Saturday morning, I had to go down to the bike shop to get a, a, some spare part or something, and it was a Saturday morning. I got down there. And uh, as I came around the corner, I saw this, I was confronted with this scene and there's this, all these like Harley Davidsons. They looked like there was hundreds of them there everywhere. And there was people standing around, you know, not just ordinary people, but these were Harley Davidson riders. And they are kind of different, you know, like they've, these are, you know, big guys, all these, all these gleaming monster Harley Davidson bikes and these big guys, you know, all got the, all got the stuff on here and they've got the, you know, they've got the things here and, and they've got the big beard here. You know, they, I mean, you could just tell them that that's a Harley Davidson rider. Is that right, Dallas? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so, so I came around the corner. I'm riding my little uh, 750 Suzuki and I've got on my high-vis work coat because that's all I had on at the, to- at the time. So, and I'm thinking, there's no way in the world I'm going to go in there. It's just, it's just, I'm just not going there. I'm just going to keep on riding. Like, I've got to ride, you know, I've got to keep going. But anyway, but I, I said, no, 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 I'm not going to let it beat me. I'm going to go in there. So I stopped, parked, and I, and I had to walk up the footpath right near behind all those people. And I'm thinking, that was the walk of shame. It was, it was just, <laughs> it was something else. Anyway, and I thought, all these people, you know, they've got the looks like a duck. They had it sorted out. They, had, they knew exactly how to look, but I didn't at the time. So anyway... Um, that's what happens sometimes for us. And, you know, what about, what about when you're a follower of Jesus? How does that work? Is there, you know, it, you can't actually say that there's a set way or there's no prescribed way in the Bible that you have to look. I mean, if you've got, if you think that if you've got it worked out, come and let me know so I can change my appearance. Or, or even, even the way you walk or the way you talk, the Bible doesn't say you have to look a certain way to be a follower of Jesus. Is that right? There's no set way. And the reason for that is that God comes in on the inside and starts working on the inside of us and not the outside. So eventually that all starts to filter out and it starts to affect the way we look and it starts to affect the way we speak, maybe even the way you walk. It affects a lot of things about us. And and I'd say this morning, friends, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and nothing's changed in your life, I would say something might be wrong because you're not listening to him. 
You're not letting him mold you and shape you. I believe that the life of Jesus on the inside of us will filter out and change much of what we are and much of what we do in our lifetimes. Over time, an amazing change on the inside of us that happens. So sometimes that the outside of us changes quickly and sometimes it takes time. And that's why we all need to have an understanding of God's grace because God who sees the inside, he knows what's going on on the inside. So we've got to have grace about these things. And of course, there are some guidelines in, in the Bible about you know, certain aspects of the externals, but God begins on the inside and, and works in our heart. And the amazing thing about this is that just as we learn uh, in families, to we learn how to speak in our families. Is that right? You learn... You know, we learn, you learn how to walk in your family. You even learned how to look in your family. Just as we, as we do, God has placed each of us in his family, the family of God. And I'm not just talking about the church here. That's one expression of that. But the family of God so that we can learn all sorts of things. And right there is where a lot of people struggle and have a problem because our experience of family in the natural affects the way we think about God and His dealing and His working in our lives right there. So this morning, what I want to share with you is about being adopted into God's family. And He's got a plan and a purpose to transform our lives, to transform us from the inside out. But being in the family of God has got a lot to do with that. And so uh, let's read. We're going to start to read this morning from Romans chapter 8. And I love this scripture about being adopted into God's family. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Now, you've got to keep in mind, when this was written, you know, in the early, uh, in the first century um, AD, um, slavery was very, very common and very open. Um, so everyone knew what slavery was. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies or witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. Now, this is actually quite a profound passage of Scripture. I want to try and unpack a little bit of it this morning. Because when the Apostle Paul, who wrote this to the church in Rome, when he wrote to them about being adopted into God's family, they all knew what that meant. Because adoption... In the, in, in the Roman civilization was not uncommon. It was probably more common than what it is today. In fact, I'll say this, that when they have been uncovering and uh, examining um, the ruins of uh, Pompeii, you know, the, the city of Pompeii, Roman civilization, um, uh, they discovered that of all the, the, the people who were magistrates or uh, judicial officers in the city, about 10% of them were actually had been adopted because adoption was common. And the reason why it's common in, in the Roman civilization was because if you, had, if you wanted to run for office 
like in politics or in the, the Roman tribunal, uh, probably if you're a history person, you, I might not have the words exactly right here, but you had to actually have the right surname. That's why adoption was fairly common. It was also a thing that adults, it was more for adults, not children, by the way. Uh, it was, and it was about political positioning yourself. Roman adoption um, was, a, was a very serious business uh, in, in this day when Paul wrote. And the reason why it was so serious, apart from the fact that you needed to have the right surname, is because of a rule or, or a law or a, a status that Roman families had. And there's a word which you're going to stick up on the screen here now. Uh, the next slide, we can stick it up. That top line there, I'm not going to try and say that, but it means the power of the father. Actually, if you were a, a family, if you were a, a father in the, in the Roman culture in, in Rome, you had absolute control and ownership of everything in your little world. You know, like your children, your wife, your, your, or your possessions, or your stuff. You had absolute control. That's the way it was. And the, they, had a, they had a word in Latin. These are Latin words up here, by the way. Um, and, and that's what it was. So, so if you wanted to be adopted, um, you had to be relinquished of one of those systems so that you could join someone else's and it was quite a complicated thing and so um so just for, i'll just put this up for a bit of fun actually so we can just look at these words so that um maybe you know latin anyone know latin here because if you do oh okay right well thank you paul now i'm gonna okay <laughs> he knows three latin words now he just saw them okay <laughs> All right, so you know, if you were, if you were uh, in a family, in, in a Roman family, and you're a son, you never, same thing for a daughter, you never actually come of age because the father has this power over you all your lifetime. You never actually come of age. And it's called, whatever that top line is there, patria, patestus. Okay, that's the right word. Gee, you know Latin, do you? Well, well there you go. He's the, he's the same. He's got it. Okay, so, and... That's, that's the way it was. You, you never actually came of age because you're always under this power of your father. That's the way it seemed to work. Now, I'm not advocating, I'm not saying that was great, but I'm saying have a think about this, folks. So something in here will, is very relevant to us as believers. So being adopted was very challenging. However, it was still fairly common. And there was two steps to it. Here's the two steps. The first, the middle word there, uh, which means a symbolic sale, mansipatio, papatio, a symbolic sale. So the person that was to be adopted, the, the two, the uh, adopting or the, the father who was releasing this, this child, he would sim symbolically sell, three times he would sell, um, they, they went through the symbolism of sale, okay? So the first two times he would sell and buy back his son and the third time he would sell him and not buy him back. That's, that's the way they did it. And it, this all had to be done in the presence of seven witnesses. And they actually had uh, scales and, and um, you know, money that they would weigh out and so on. It was a very sort of formal kind of a process. And then there was a second step on the bottom line, vindicatio, where they, they, the, the father would then go to uh, a magistrate and he would mount a legal case so that the, uh, the, the, the official transfer of ownership could take place. And then that person would say that they belonged to that new family. 
that's the way it worked. And here's the point. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, we've received a spirit of adoption. That's, that's what he meant. Again, common or relatively common in Roman society. I want to share with you this morning, friends, what that meant for those people back then and what it means for us today. Because I believe God wants us to know some things about belonging. He wants us to know that we belong in the kingdom of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared uh, here about being accepted, that you are accepted by God. I want to I take that the next step and say, not only are you accepted by God today, but you belong in his family, in his kingdom today. The first thing about uh, adoption that Paul was referring to is that the adopted person lost all their rights in the old family. They lost it completely. You know, and, and I say this morning here, friends, you don't belong to the old anymore. If you've asked Jesus into your life, the old is gone, the Bible says. So when Paul was referring to adoption, everyone that read his letter knew, you know, an adopted person lost their rights absolutely in the old, the old life. Um, some years ago also, I, um, when our youngest son was about to leave home and, uh, and getting married, um, we went for a drive out, out west one, one weekend just in my uh, Hilux. So we went just as, as, just as far as you can go that way uh, before the bitumen runs out. And we went out to it's a little place called Nakundra, if anybody's ever been out there. It's, it's right at the end of the bitumen. It's about, I don't know, like 15 hours drive or more that way. And so uh, we're out there and we're, we're, we're camping, camping the night and... And we didn't, we didn't know it at the time, but every couple of years, there's a rodeo, a rodeo, or it depends where you come from, rodeo at Nakundra. And so it happened to be that weekend when we just happened to rock up there. And so there was, like normally there's like six people or something live out there. There's just no one anywhere. But there was thousands of people out there. And it was incredible. It was just amazing. We went to the rodeo. And so it was just an amazing experience. And... Um, and these people, they, they'd all come from, from far western Queensland. I didn't even know there was that many people in western Queensland. They were, there was, you know, trucks and big four-wheel drives and big massive. It was just huge. And all these people, again, they were dressed a certain way. They were, they were dressed like, you know, like we'd come from Toowoomba, right? So we were dressed sort of casually, you know, but as you would here. But out there, you don't dress like that. It's all completely different. And so we knew that um, we were walking around just trying to blend in, but we knew that we just didn't belong. <laughs> there, was, there was just something about that and the, the people out there, we just really didn't. Uh, Michelle, you might know a little bit about, about what it's like out there. Uh, you been, did you go to Nakundra? It's the end of the road. It's, <laughs> anyway... Um, so uh, we just we knew we didn't belong. And it's the same when you ask Jesus into your life, the old is gone. You've got a new family. And the Bible states in verse 14 of that passage we looked at, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. So you, you lost your old rights in, the, in your old family and in Roman adoption, you gained exactly the same rights in your new family. It was incredible. You received a new name. You're a child of God. You're a part of his family right now. And it's so important that we get that, we understand that we do belong in God's family. The second thing about 
adoption is, not only do people lose their rights in their old family, but the old life was completely wiped out, actually, um, because they were regarded, if you were an adopted person, you were regarded as a, a new person altogether, entering a new life, which the past had nothing to do with. Your past was just gone. And so Paul uses this imagery of, of adoption, um, and he's talking about how the Romans practiced it in those days. Once you went through those two ceremonies that I mentioned before, every debt and obligation of your past life was erased. It was just gone. They were like getting the hard reformatting the hard drive. There was just nothing. You couldn't even find it. You were a new person. That word vindicatio, the, the legal ceremony there, it's the origin of our word to vindicate, actually. Vindicate. It means to clear of accusation, to absolve, to justify. And so what God is saying is when you come to Jesus, all the accusations against you of your past are cleared and taken away. And I'm talking about spiritually here. You know, you might have to deal with some things at a natural level, but I'm talking about spiritually. And the Bible says in Colossians that, that when we come to Jesus, that the, that list of accusations against us, he took, Jesus took and nailed it to, his cro to the cross. And so, friends, you've got to understand that everything that the devil tries to throw at you, when he, he's going to always come and remind you about your past. He's always going to come and say, yeah, but what about you? What about that time 10 years ago? What about last week? You know, what about yesterday? He's going to always come and remind you of your past and the problems of the past. And Jesus said, I have taken it away. I've nailed it to my cross. And that's what it happened in adoption. In adoption. Actually, what this is, it's a picture for us of water baptism also. That when a person is baptized, that they, um, the old is going to, it's a, it's a death to the old, a complete death and burial of the old so that we can walk in the new. The, the new can be fully embraced. The third thing is that in the eyes of the law, the adopted child was seen as an absolute child of the new father, not just a, an add-on to the family. You were completely a child in your new family. And that's what Rome, verse 16 says of Romans 8 that we read before. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, you know, this, this, that's an amazing thing that God himself or the Holy Spirit has witnessed that you belong to God. You know, we don't need to have seven witnesses standing by to, to you know, attest to the veracity of something because God himself, the eternal Holy Spirit, is a witness. That's enough. You know, he is a witness that you belong to him. He's a witness for you. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about knowing your place in a family. If you're, you know, you're a son or a daughter in the family, uh, there's something amazing about that, uh, knowing your place. And, uh, you know, if you have you know, visitors come to your home sometimes, um, they, they come and all, you're visiting someone's place. You know, you might go there and you might just sit, you know, politely and properly in the lounge room and, you know, just waiting for some hospitality to be offered maybe. And you're thinking, are they ever going to offer me a cup of tea? You know, I don't know, maybe whatever you're thinking. But, but you, you respectfully wait. You know? But if you're a high schooler, 
you know, and if you've got high schoolers, you know, it's a different ball game. You know, like at four o'clock, they're going to barge in through the door. They're going to throw down their stuff and they're going to make a beeline for the fridge. And here's the point. Try not to get in the way. You know, if, they, if they're going for the fridge, <laughs> that's just the way it works. How do I know that? You know, um, so it's a, it's a different animal altogether. You know, and knowing your place as a, as a believer, as a, as a part of God's family, it's an amazing thing. There's an authority about that. There's a, a security about that. There's an, a, there's an amazing uh, blessing in that. And so that's why it's very important to know as a part of God's family, you are an absolute son or daughter in the family of God. Very important to know that. Really important. The last thing is that the adopted child became heir to the new father's estate. And so even if there were other children born naturally in that family, um, afterwards, the adopted son's right of inheritance was not affected in any way. He was equally a joint heir with those other siblings. And when we are adopted into God's family, we are, the Bible says, joint heirs with Jesus and heirs of everything that God has. If Verse 17, if children... Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So we become a beneficiary of things that otherwise we would never have received. In fact, even his glory, the Bible says that you will be glorified with him. Now you might have to suffer a little bit along the way, you know, and we tend sometimes to leave those parts out, but it's a very valid part of Scripture entering into all that Jesus has done for us and is for us. Um, some years ago, I, I worked for um, a large mining engineering company in Toowoomba. I was there for um, a lot of years, over a decade. And um, the company endured a very difficult time uh, at the start of 2014 when I was there. Um, they had to downsize because of a major downturn in the mining industry, mining sector, metal prices went into a nosedive and the company had to downsize fairly quickly actually and it was quite a, quite a challenging time. They had to lose about a third of their staff of 400 people. Now that's if you've got a company and you've got to lose, you know, sacking people is never fun, you know, it's, no, it's not fun if you have to do that and so, um, so they, they went through this, this incredibly painful process. Everyone got, a, got an envelope at, on the same day at the same time saying whether you had a job next week or not. And so, but no one knew in advance what was in their envelope. It was, pretty, it was, it was very challenging. And about six months after that, um, I actually survived. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but, but the managing director after that talked about it about six months later. And he said, we had to reduce our wages bill to 18 million a year if we were going to survive. We knew. We knew that. And so as we, meaning the directors, you know, as we met together and we were cutting, cutting each week, you know, more people were leaving, more people were leaving. And we were cutting, just cutting, trying to get down to that $18 million. And he said, we got to 21 and a half million. And he said, it became It just got too painful. (laughs) 
and, he, and he said to the people gathered in the room, he said, um, so if you're here today, it means you were too good to lose. I want to say to us this morning, friends, that, that that was all about performance, okay? That was about performance. You know, being too good to lose. But God doesn't evaluate you on the basis of your performance. It's not about your performance. He says, you are mine and I'm, I don't want to lose you because I love you and I've given you my name and you are part of my family. And so it's so important we understand that. Can we have our creative team to come back again, please, up here? So, friend, God loves you this morning and he's reaching out to you and he wants, he wants to extend that, that conviction and that confirmation in your heart that you belong to him. And I'd like to say here this morning, if you know that Jesus is living in your heart, I talked about water baptism before a few moments ago. And if you, if you know that Jesus is in your heart, but you've never been baptized in water, come and see us. Come and see myself or Dell, you know, because it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's the next thing you need to be baptized to know that God is alive. And God is real in your life. And to cut off those bonds of the past. You know, the enemy's always trying to drag people back into something from the past. And God is saying, I want to cut that off so that you won't ever have to go back there again. And I, and I say here also this morning, friends, if you know that you've crossed over into a new life with Jesus, but the pull of the world is always trying to drag you back there and, you, and you're struggling in that area. And you need to put a stake in the ground and say, that's it. I'm never going back there. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to. I've crossed over into that relationship with Jesus. I'm never going to go back there again. Then why don't you maybe, maybe you want to come and get someone to pray with you this morning. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you in that today. So I wonder, can we stand? Can we all stand in, in God's presence this morning? We're just going to sing that song, Waymaker, again. God, you are here. Holy Spirit, you are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. Hallelujah.